Okay, a lot of end of summer announcements. Most of it is, is that sort of thing. First off, and this is the last one of the summer. So, time change next week. 9 o'clock and 10.30. Uh, so you get an extra half hour, which for me will be very helpful. Uh, youth group also starts. That'll be the 7th which is the first Wednesday, right? First Wednesday in September, and that's at 6.30 p.m. So if you have kids in that age group, we'd love to have them. Uh, also, Robert's Wednesday night study starts on the 7th as well, and that's also at 6.30. Um, and there is going to be a barbecue and a potluck on September 28th. Uh, more details, I'm assuming, on the website. Uh, there's a typo. It's the 18th. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. And then baptism today, after the second service, over at Lake Alpine. That is just down the road, first park on your left. And in addition to that, uh, there's a specific invitation to youth group from Jeremy. Kind of goes along with the youth group starting on the 7th. I think I got everything there, I hope. Didn't he do good? <laughs> All right, let's have the ushers come up and we'll uh, say a word of prayer for our day here. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, beautiful Sunday that we have. Thank you for the rain that came down that we needed. Thank you for the blessing of being able to gather and worship you. Help us to be good examples of your love. Help us to use our resources wisely. And may you bless this service today and uh, help us to be fully focused on you for this next period of time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Aaron said, we're going to do something a little bit differently this morning. Um, so in transition, Aaron does have some flyers. If you're a parent of a youth or you know of some youth, um, he's made up some flyers about what's going to be happening on Wednesday for that. Also, one other announcement that just got out there onto the uh, welcome table is we have a men's breakfast on September 24th. That's the last Saturday in September at 8 o'clock, so any guys start filling up that. Pastor Robert was nabbing guys as they were coming in, and put your name down on that. It'll be a great time together. So, we are doing things just a little bit differently this morning because of the topic that we are on. We are going to, uh, we finished last week, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and so on the 18th of September, we'll go back to chapter 3 and get that started. So these are standalone sermons in between, and this one I've titled, uh, No Tents in the Church, and somebody already asked me, are you going to explain that? And I'm going, yeah, I'll explain that. The subtitle is, Biblical Terms Matter. Biblical Terms Matter, and if you have a flyer this morning, you'll notice that there are blanks on there. I really want you to fill them in as we go through. I will try to highlight them, because um, I learned that... that that uh, terms are important. I went back to, my, to get my master's just a couple years ago, 
and after being out of school for 32 years, whoa, that was an eye-opener. And, and also, it, uh, all the terms that I had to learn or relearn or also learn what they meant by those terms, after 32 years of living life, I needed to understand that. So I, I learned that definitions to the terms are very important. Not just knowing the term, but the definition to the term. Because I could be speaking about something with a certain term and have my own definition, and you could be speaking about something in your term, same term, but a different definition, and we could be talking two totally different languages at that. So, I've learned to ask this question, what do you mean by? And so when I go into churches, that's what I do. Lots of times I ask that question over and over again. I'll say, what do you mean by? And I'm not trying to um, have an opportunity to tell you you're wrong, not at all. All I'm trying to do is understand your definition of that term so I can com communicate with you. So I can talk some more about that subject with you and get on the same page with you. So what do you mean by? So I thought, well, let's start with the Bible. And here's a classic example of this in the Bible where we've got one term, but it's used in two different ways. And over time, over history... People have said, well, Paul says this, but James says this. All around this word, justify. So if I go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul says this, and you'll listen for the word justify. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing law, no one will be justified. So when Paul uses that word justify, he means it to mean declare righteous. This is how someone is declared righteous. This is how someone is to be saved. You are justified by faith and faith alone. Now, we jump over, though, to James. And in James chapter 2 and verse 24, listen to how he uses the word justify. You see that a person is justified, there's the word, by what he does and not by faith alone. And you go, wait, wait, wait a minute here. They just both said the opposite thing. But James uses the word justify to mean to display or verify saving faith. As a saved person, your works verify, justify that you are a follower of Christ. So, a, a visual of this, when Paul's talking about justification, he's on this side of the cross. He's on this side of the cross, and the cross is salvation. He's on this side of the cross saying, you need to be justified by faith. That's how someone is saved. And then James is on the other side of the cross. He's over here. But salvation has occurred. And James says, as a saved person, you are justified. You are verifying that salvation by the works that you do. And then I have a whole other sermon all on this that, that shows that even James will, James comes over to this side of the cross at times and he will agree exactly with what Paul says and Paul will come over to this side of the cross and agree exactly with what James says. 
But you'll have people that will argue over Paul and James and they're in conflict with one another and, and everything else. But when you realize, wait a minute, how are they using the term? And when are they using the term? You realize they're not in conflict at all. At all. So, um, I thought, okay, here's a funny one. A biscuit in the USA. A biscuit in the USA is Bob Evans. You ever have one of those? Just flakes right open. The steam is rolling off of it. You put a little butter, a little honey on it. You sink your teeth into it and you go, mmm. Everybody go, mmm. Mmm. Oh, I know. I know. A biscuit in the UK? You better, you better be looking for something to dunk it in. I mean, you're not getting through that unless it's softened somewhat, okay? Same term, different definition. Football in the USA. I mean, it's like this. Yeah, a lot, a lot with your hands, right? Football anywhere else in the, in the world. You get penalized if you use your hands. It's all this. What a, it's soccer, right? So you realize that these terms are really important. The definition. And it's important that we understand the definitions of terms that we use in church. We have terms that we use in church, and it's really important that we understand the definitions. If we don't, we start setting up tents. We do. We start setting up tents in the church, encampments in the church, of, of, of who, who follows this term, who follows this term, who follows this term, when, when lo and behold, we got this big roof over top of us. And it's a good roof. And I'll explain what that roof is in a church. But we've got to make sure that we don't put up tents. Now, how long has this been happening? It's been happening for a long time. Let me give you an example, biblical example here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 10. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. So he's looking for unity. All of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions, no tents among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some, some, some from Chloe's household, so there's a tent, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. There's another tent. And I follow Apollos. There's another tent. And I follow Cephas. There's another tent. And I follow Christ. There's another tent. Boy, there's at least five tents in that church, okay? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I am thankful I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize. That's not why I was sent. But to preach the gospel. And that's the roof. That's the roof of any body of believers. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not with words of human wisdom. So we're not going off of what man says. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. We set up tents in the church encampments in the church, we are diminishing what Christ has done on the cross and this gospel witness of his. Now, our definitions of terms need to be biblical. It's a very important point. 
definition of terms need to be biblical. So when we look at something and we start to talk about something in the church, in the church, we need to have a biblical background to that. Now, it doesn't mean that every term that we use is in the Bible, specifically like you can see it kind of thing, but lots of times maybe it's a principle that's in the Bible, and therefore we apply a term to it, but it's biblically based. So I'm going to share one with you this morning. This is just one, okay? But I've lived through this one. 58 years in the church, nine, nine months in the womb, and I have lived through this one over and over and over again, and it's about music. Oh, man, have I been through this. We have created terms around this. And so we hymns, choruses, traditional, contemporary, good old, modern, classic, sacred, praise songs. And what's happened many times is we've created little tents in the church. That's what's happened. Well, I hope this morning that we go back to the biblical terms that are there, hold on to the definition of those terms, and maybe some of those tents will come down, okay? This is just one of them, okay? Now, I grew up in a church where we had these. What is this? This is a hymnal. Yeah, I had to get this out of the library. On one library. This is a hymnal. What a hymnal is, is a book full of songs of worship. Now, I said that specifically that way. It's a book full of songs of worship. Songs of worship. It is just a tool. That's all this is. Just a tool. Just like everything up here is a tool. Just like everything back there is a tool. Just like this whole building is a tool for us to come and gather together to worship Him. It, these are not worship. It's just, it's just a tool. So, let's go to the scriptures where Paul uses these musical terms. So we're going to go, he says this twice, he says it to two different churches. So let's go to Colossians uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 12. And I call this the uh, one another passage, because you'll listen to all the one another's in here. He's describing how we are to be among one another. It's very convicting. Starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect, guess what? Unity. Unity. I think I could just stop right there and go, okay, we heard enough this morning. Because there's a mouthful there of how we are to be around one another. He goes on to say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, that shows unity, you are called to peace. And be thankful. And then he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. So we're going to have that interaction with one another, teaching and admonishing. And then he says, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's our musical terms that he gives us. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts to God. He's saying that Christians, when we come together, we sing to one another. And that is the most wonderful thing about the Christian faith. It is a singing faith that we have. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the God and Father through Him. So when he says teaching, we're to teach one another. Teaching, that word means a formal teaching, just like I'm doing right now. More lecture, more textbook kind of thing that's going on. But then he uses the second word, admonishing. That's the other side of the coin, where that's a coming up alongside of someone. So you're teaching this way, but then there's also the kind of teaching when you're sitting alongside of someone and you're walking through that together. Walking through that together. He says that happens, but he says also that we sing to each other. And here's our three terms. Psalms. Now, the word psalm means to pluck. That's what it means, pluck. Because they had stringed instruments, and they would what? Pluck the stringed instruments. And when they plucked the stringed instruments, that was a cue to sing. That was a cue to sing. Psalms also is a part of the Word of God. So we call the Word of God the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. So when we say Psalms, what it means is songs of God's very words. We're using God's very words in those songs, okay, called Psalms. Hymns, I love this one, because it's sacred songs about Him. So hymns are about Him. Okay, and the focal point of that song is is focused all on Him. It's all about God. That's what a hymn is. Okay, spiritual songs. Spiritual songs. Those are songs that include me. They're, they include me. They include I and me and my and, and they include my response back to Him. Okay. Now let's go to the other one in Ephesians chapter five. Paul's going to say the same thing again to the Ephesian church. And I call this one the, um, the activity of the spirit-filled Christian. So listen to the activity of one who is saved. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Someone who's spirit-filled is concerned about the Lord's will and following the Lord's will. Do not get drunk on wine. I'll stop right there. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on what this world offers. Why? Which leads to debauchery. What this world offers leads to obsession, leads to uh, wrong priorities. But then he says, instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with what God says. And then he says, speak to one another. And here's where he combines them together. He says, speak to one another, but then he uses a musical term. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There they are again. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, you'll hear First Peter again as we've been studying through First Peter. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Remember that from 1 Peter? He said, be subject to one another. He says, align yourself underneath the authority of the other. Always, And Peter, Paul says, in the reverence of Christ, Peter has said to us, for the Lord's sake, he said, in the sight of God, he said, in the mind of God, as servants of God. So here we are to, we are to submit ourselves to one another, to speak to one another in these ways. Now, let me go back to this again. This is a hymnal, and it's a book 
of songs of worship. Now, do you understand why I said it that way? Because in the hymnal, there are not just hymns. Okay? There's all kinds of songs in the hymnal for worship. So, now, let's apply some of these terms. I want to give you some examples of this. So, psalms are songs using primarily Scripture. Primarily Scripture. So, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. That comes from Isaiah 6. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. That's Revelation 4. Oh, Jesus is rocking a weary land, a weary land, just a weary land. That's Psalm 62. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. That's Psalm 42. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. How many knew that one? Eh, a few hands there. Yeah, Second Timothy 1.12. And then a lot of the kids' songs that we do are taken right from Scripture. Why do we do that? We do that so that they will learn Scripture. So, this is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. And that comes from John 15. So, just a, just a little bit there for you to realize, okay, that's what it means when we talk about psalms. Songs that use God's very words. Okay? So, now this is where we get to interact, and you get to stand again. And we're going to sing a psalm this morning. Based off of Psalm Psalm 46, and we're going to sing it together, and, and you're going to hear some of the words of, of God in this, and also some of the concepts that come from that psalm. So would you stand with us, and let's sing a psalm this morning. And I like reading these psalms before we sing them. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear... Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord is my refuge and strength. Therefore I will not be afraid. Though the mountains give way 
you call to the sea, He will come and rescue you. Lord comes to be a break of day. He reaches out to guide me in His way. Though the oceans roar, the stars and storm and He will come and rescue me. Hallelujah, He is with me. Hallelujah, we cannot be moved. Hallelujah, He is with me. Hallelujah, I rest Still and know that He is God. He will be exalted over all. Come and behold His strength and majesty. He will come and rescue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, He is with me. Hallelujah, we cannot be moved. Hallelujah, He is with me. Hallelujah, I rest Okay, you may be seated. Now you're getting the idea of what's going to happen here, right? Because I'm going to go to, flip me to that next slide there. Now we're going to talk about, um, there we go. We're going to talk about hymns. The definition is hymns are sacred songs about Him. That's easy to remember. Sacred songs about Him. So, come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. What's it? It's pointing to Him, right? Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness. It's all about Him. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. All about Him. Joyful, joyful, we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of light. Pointing to Him. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. We gratefully sing His power and His love. You get the sense of that? Every song is pointed at Him. It's all about Him. Or, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Or if you're from my church, we did. All hail the power of Jesus' name. So these are songs that are all about Him. Now in a hymnal, in a hymnal lots of times, you will find these songs in the very start of the hymnal. There are lots of times, they're under the number, under 100, you will have those songs. So in my hymnal back home, my hymnal back home, the one that we're going to sing this morning, is number two. 
Number two, had that book memorized. And number two was holy, holy, holy. So now listen as you, just even listen to the way that we sing this song now. As we sing a song that's all about Him. So you ready? Let's stand again. Let's sing to the Lord. Blessed be 
Did you hear the difference? Did you hear the difference? Did you see the difference in focal point in that song? It was all about Him. That's what a hymn is. It's all about Him. So, now let's go to spiritual songs. You're getting this routine down, right? Spiritual. This is where I'm going to get in trouble. Okay, this is, I'd say it ahead of time. I'm going to get in trouble here. But spiritual songs are songs that include my response back. So you're going to hear the word I, you're going to hear me, my, because you are responding back to him. I did this one at the concert on Tuesday night. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. It's my response back, right? Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted who? Me, right, right. And then you're going to go, oh, Amazing Grace. Now, come on, Pastor Adam. You're going to tell me Amazing Grace is not a hymn? And I'm going, well, if we're following biblical definitions, no, it is not. It is a spiritual song. John Newton wrote this in 1779, and he wrote it as a response back to God. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like who? Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now... I see. And then they added that fifth verse. Everybody loves that fifth verse. It was actually added in 1930. Okay, so 200 years later, they write this verse. So John Newton didn't write, write this verse. But they did it in the same vein. They just made it plural. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Who's shining like the sun? We are. There's no less days to sing God's praise than when... We first begun. See what I'm saying? So, so blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Heir of salvation, who's that me? Purchase of God, who's that me? Born of the Spirit, washed in His blood. Now this would have been really different if Fanny Crosby would have wrote, This is His story. But she didn't. She wrote, this is my story, this is my song, this is one of my favorite songs. Here's a, some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. Who's flying away? I'll fly away. In, in church we used to, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Yeah, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river. Who's got peace? I've got peace like a river in my soul. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying these songs are bad. Not at all. Not at all. I'm just giving you the biblical definition of one of these songs and what it is, and it's our response back to him. Okay, so here we go. We stand up again, and we're going to sing a song that is a spiritual song that is a response back to him. Stand till after the, at the end of the sermon. Thank you. 
seated again. That's where I'm at? Yep, that's where I'm at. Now, a well-rounded service, I believe a well-rounded service, and and they don't always work out this way. You know, I don't want to pigeonhole every song into a box, but a well-rounded service will have songs that are psalms, where we'll sing God's very words. And it will also have hymns, We'll have songs that are all about Him. And then we'll have spiritual songs. Songs of our response. Now, one thing uh, I, I wanted to mention here is that once you get those definitions of those terms down, biblical definitions of those terms down, a lot of times the young people will grab onto that really quick. And you'll be listening to the radio on the way home. And, and they will say, hey, that's a hymn. That's a spiritual song. That's a, and they'll keep doing that back and forth so much that it will aggravate you. And you go, I just want to listen to the radio. 
don't need an analysis here. But I put up your danger. What if you have a service that's full of psalms, just songs that use God's very words? I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay because in God's very words, there's a lot of response back to him. Okay? So I think you'll be okay. A service full of hymns all about him, Again, you'll probably be okay. It'll be really majestic the whole time through, you know, and, and, and you might miss something there because, you know, you might be coming in saying, hey, my heart is heavy and I, I need to respond back to him. But a service full of spiritual songs, that's the one we have to be, da- I put danger there. When all the songs are focused on ourselves, our response back to him, and I hope you see what I'm saying this morning is this hymnal, which is a book full of songs of worship. You can even use the hymnal and you could sing all spiritual songs. You could use the hymnal and sing just songs of, that's from my perspective or my focus. And lots of times when I ask people what their favorite song is, lots of times that's what they'll say. They'll say a song and it's a spiritual song. My dad's favorite was, I've got a mansion up just over the hilltop. That's the song. You know, I've got a mansion. So we tend to gravitate to spiritual songs. We do. Most of the songs on the radio are spiritual songs. They come from the I response back. Our human nature wants to focus on me, we, I, and us. And so that's why it's really a struggle in the church many times to bring in those songs that are all just his words or songs that are just all about him because of the world that we live in. So I went to K-Love Radio. I got the top ten. And look at the top ten. Some of them, even the words of the title will give it away. Me on your mind. What do you think that is? That's a spiritual song. The healing. Well, where's the healing coming to? That's coming to you. A spiritual song. Phil, whose cup? My cup. Phil, my cup. <laughs> Hymn of Heaven. Now, now that sounds pretty good, Phil Wickham. But how I long to breathe the air of heaven. That's where he's coming from. From the I perspective. The goodness by Toby Mac. It says, falls on me, calls me, I go. Who's the focal point? Now, there's nothing wrong with these songs. All I'm doing is just saying, this is the genre, the, the, the category that they fall into. Getting started. Honey in the Rock. That one, well, that's got a couple words from the Bible there. It says, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry that I know everything I need you've got. Who's the focal point? Me, me. Thank God for Sunday morning by Cochran and Company. That's a great one. I ran to one more than the other. Listen to that song. Uh, We all need Jesus. And the the focus is, is on we. And then the last, God is in this story. Um, and one of the lines says, if the storm you're, you're walking through. So her, it's coming from her perspective of the storm that she's walking through. Here's the point. We're getting a steady diet of spiritual songs. We do. That's usually where it goes to. We get a, we got a full stomach of those. Okay? Now, how this matters corporately. Let me take you back to the passage of scriptures here. How this matters corporately. It matters corporately because those that are drawn into this body by God need to hear us at times sing God's very words. 
They need to see here us sing God's very... Man, these people love God. They love God so much. They sing, actually, the words that He has said. Okay? They need to hear us sing God's very words. Secondly, those drawn in by God into this body need to hear us sing at times about our great God. Our great God. They need to hear us just bellow about this great God that we have. And third... Those drawn by God into this body need to hear us at times sing about our love for Him. Our love for Him. They need to see that even some of us will raise our hands. Some of us will have a song that tears will start streaming down your face, kind of saying. And they see that, wow, this is more than just a ritual they're walking through. This is more than just a religion. I mean, there's, there's some emotion that's coming from this person because of what they're singing about. What they're singing about. Now, very important points here. We have an audience of one. We have an audience of one. The way that things are set up, and, and, and this goes all the way back to the book of Hosea, when they built a platform for the person to stand on to preach, okay? It looks like you are the audience, these so are the performers, okay? That's what it looks like. In our world, that's usually the setup. This is the audience, these are the performers, but not in church. You are not an audience in church. You are a congregation, okay? There is only one audience. You, you know where I'm going with this? And it's God. God is the only audience in this church. We collectively are the worship team. We collectively are the... We usually think of this as the worship team. No, every, this whole thing, this whole gathering out here is the worship team because we have an audience of how many? One. One. And it is our God. It's an audience of one. And the most important instrument in the room, and usually I have people grab their tongue. Uh, is that, yeah, that's the most important instrument in the room, you know? It is. It's a powerful instrument that God has given to us, and He says in the Scriptures that we are to sing. And I, I, I put a couple funny things up here. How powerful the human voice is. I was at Eastern Michigan University in my first year of college. I was running from what God wanted me to do. I was going to be an accountant. And so I, I was in the marching band, and then in the, in the winter I joined the choir. And in the choir, there were 300 people in the choir. I mean, that's like double my hometown, okay, in the choir. In the choir. And the room that we were in was about like this, this amount of room. And I mean, when we would sing... It was just massive sound. And I was singing with voice majors. Voice serious singers. And you know, we sing like this. This is how we sing. We, we got our nose right down here, reading away. They don't sing like that. They, they put their book right up. I don't even think they can see it. They probably have it memorized. And they sing like this and they bounce their voice off of there. And I mean, man, at times, it just massive amount of sound in that room. So we were preparing to sing Verdi's Requiem in German, which you should do. And, and, and we were getting ready for this concert, and, and they told us that they would bring in these four professionals that would sing the solos. So finally they brought in the mezzo-soprano. She came in, and we're singing, full voice, double forte, just all out. And I'm a sound guy, so I'm seeing her down there, because I'm up in the risers. I see her down there, and I'm going like, they don't have a microphone for her. How, how are we ever going to hear her? You know, we, you know, I'm not sure if... We, I better watch my music to make sure where she comes in and everything. We are at double forte, full voice, 
And that lady opened up her mouth, and I could not hear myself. I could not hear anybody around me. I checked to the left and the right. I looked in every direction. That we're all seeing, but all I can hear is that lady's voice. That's how powerful. And then when we do it, did it in concert, she not only had three hundred people behind her, she had a whole orchestra pit in front of her, and when she and she had a microphone, but it was five feet away from her, five feet away from just for recording purposes, kind of thing. And man, it just again, just wow. God gave us a powerful tool to use to worship Him. Second one is uh, Baptist Baptist Bod. No, Baptist Bob. <laughs> I must have typed that wrong. Did I type that wrong? Baptist Bob. Now, now that's not on today, but I've told this story a little bit before. And just about a Sunday morning of being in church, and we were we taught the song, um, Behold our God, seated on the throne, come let us adore him. So we sang at the beginning of the service, we sang at the end of the service. We were in this building that resonated. It just it had a tin roof, and it just resonated right up. And when we got to that song the second time, I looked over, and there was Baptist Bob, who never moved anything, never moved a muscle in service. And he had both hands in the air, and tears were streaming down his face. And at that moment in time, I thought, for sure, we were going to heaven. I thought, it's got to be, we're going at this point. I tell you those stories because I am so thankful that I've been in churches at times, and I've been in camp meetings at times, when the volume of the people's voices were so fervent that you couldn't even hear the worship team. couldn't hear the band. And when that happens, I always tell the band, just stop playing, just sing. You know, they got it. I was at a, we were at a community sing one time, and I was driving home, taking home a 98-year-old Hattie Kenyon. And she said, that was loud. And I said, yeah, wasn't it something? And she said, I, had my, I turned my hearing aids off. <laughs> That's what she did. I am so thankful that we have those opportunities to raise our voices like that to the Lord. Now, how this matters individually. How this matters individually. If I take us back to Ephesians 5.19, it says, Speaking to each other. Speaking to each other. So, this is a form in which we speak to one another. And Colossians 3.16, that whole idea of teaching and admonishing one another. And we, do it, we, we can do it in these musical forms. Sometimes your Christian brother or sister needs to hear chapter and verse. Sometimes when you're talking to a brother or sister in Christ, they need, you to, they need to hear from you God's very words. Well, it says in God's word in John 15, verse 10, there are times when your Christian brother or sister needs to hear an attribute of God, a hymn. They need to hear about how the great God, the sovereignty of God, the omniscience of God. The, you know, that's what they need at that time, is to realize and to increase the size of their God again. And sometimes your brother or sister needs to hear your testimony, a spiritual song. They need to hear how it affected you, how you came through it. This is what God did for, did for me. So, let me finish with this, is that not every song fits in those categories perfectly. Okay, that's one thing. Secondly, 
um, I hope by defining the terms biblically, it will bring greater unity to us as we gather together to worship. And every song that we have to sing, um, we look for the value in it. And some have more value than others. And those songs that have the greatest value, guess what? They will last a long time. And there are songs of value that have been written 500 years ago. And there will be songs of value that will be written this very week. And if we can just look at that, what we sing in, in the light of those terms, and then realize that Paul used them so that we would communicate better with one another, we'll, we'll start to love the words that we get to sing together to the Lord. So we're going to close the service with one more song. Now this song is a song that uses God's very words. So it's a psalm. This one is, is directed toward Him. So it's, in a sense, it's a hymn. And this song also, I think it's in verse 2. In verse 2, when you get to verse 2, you will hear a response from us. So here's a song that uses all three in one song. All one in one song. So let's rise one more time and sing the song, God of Wonders, Beyond Our Galaxy. Lord of all creation Of water, earth, and sky the heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. Universe declares your majesty. Holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of heaven and
You learn something this morning? Yeah, yeah, what a great way to end the service. And Tom's going to end it for us here. Thank you, Tom. As I, uh, as I close this uh, service, uh, I just want to thank Pastor Adam for illuminating how we worship God here. Uh, hopefully, the tents will disappear when we fully understand that we have many, many ways to worship the Lord. And I want to remind you that we do pray after each service over in this corner. And please don't forget the baptism. If you want to bring a raincoat, go ahead. But believe me, you're not going to get as wet as five other people are today. <laughs> Maybe six, seven other people, including <laughs> Pastor Adam. Okay. I'm going to read Psalm 150. It's a culmination of a lot of things that we learned today, plus God's will. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Go this week and praise the Lord. Amen.